welcome back to another night of Lifeline. Um, if we haven't met before, my name is Hannah and I'm the resident over at the Kentwood campus. Way over there. <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna walk us through week two of our Heroes and Villains series. Uh, and to kick us off, I just wanna ask a fun question. What are some of your favorite movie villains? Go ahead and shout them at me. Awesome, I heard a good one. Just kidding, I can't hear you through the camera. Uh, I'd love to tell you about my favorite movie villain, which happens to be Mother Gothel from the movie Tangled. I don't know if you've seen this movie, it's pretty good, I'm about to spoil it for you. Um, I love Mother Gothel because she's kind of a complex character. So you see, she's this enchantress and she's getting older and she finds this magical flower that keeps her young. What happens is those magical powers from the flower get transferred to Rapunzel, the princess. And so Gothel's like, don't worry, it's all good. I'm just gonna steal some hair. It's gonna be fine. Go back, mind your own business. What happens is the hair doesn't work. So then Gothel's like, no worries. I'll just kidnap Rapunzel, hide her in a tower forever and use the powers that way. It'll be great, right? Um, see, but this doesn't really work out in her favor, right? Because you can't go around kidnapping people. <laughs> so yeah, Gothel is definitely a villain, but you kind of can understand why she made those choices, right? She wasn't just saying, I'm gonna be evil for no reason. She just wanted the magical powers that were hers in the first place. Mother Gothel made the choice to choose wrong. <laughs> but we have those choices every day, right? So think about your favorite villain. They probably were making a selfish decision, but it wasn't just to be evil. We each have the choice between being a heroic version of ourselves or maybe a villainous version of ourselves. And so tonight I'm gonna to introduce you to someone in the Bible who made a few mistakes along the way, but was not really just a bad person. And he's my friend, drum roll please, Thomas, Thomas the disciple. I don't know if you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him by his nickname, Doubting Thomas. That's right, he was remembered as the one who doubted Jesus. But also, think about Mother Gothel again one more time. Do you think she wanted to be remembered as this big villain, or did she want to be remembered as this beautiful enchantress that had a bunch of power? If we were to ask Thomas, how do you want to be remembered, he'd probably be like, oh, I was like a great disciple of Jesus, a good follower, rocked it, spoke about the church, right? And we tell him, nope, you're gonna be known as the guy that doubted Jesus, how's that sound? Probably wouldn't like that, probably wouldn't be a fan, but that was what he was known for as a doubter. So if we talk about doubt, doubt by definition is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. So basically Thomas was feeling unsure about what Jesus was telling him about the way he was supposed to go. He was feeling uncertain about his faith. And maybe you've had doubts too, where you're like, God, what are you doing in my life? How am I supposed to live and pursue you? Doubting can be a really hard feeling to sit with. But fortunately, Thomas dealt with his doubt in some really key ways throughout his story. And so tonight we're gonna dive into John and read more about Thomas's story. And he's going to help us discover three ways to answer the question, how do we deal with doubt? So John is one of the four gospels found in the New Testament. So if you open your Bible to the back half, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're gonna go into John chapter 14. I'm gonna open up my Bible. So we're gonna start right at the beginning of chapter 14. And it says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be, and you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Um, how can we know the way? So here Thomas is showing us first how he begins to deal with doubt, right? He's like, Jesus, love what you're saying, love what you're doing here, but I, I got a question. How are we supposed to follow you? Do you have a map? Do I go this way? Do I go that way? If you're not here to lead me, how am I supposed to know how to follow you to where you're going? And Jesus doesn't scold Thomas, right? He isn't like, how dare you interrupt me? Boo, bad questions. No, he goes on and he gives Thomas an explanation. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, Jesus says, Thomas, that's a great question. Thank you for asking, right? And now you know, you've been with me this whole time. You've seen me, you've come to know me, and you follow me. So he's telling us in this passage that he and God are one and the same. He's right, right? Like, if you choose to follow me, Jesus, you are also choosing to follow God. And that is the way. But Thomas was confused, right? So Thomas was confused and he asked questions. And that tells us how can we deal with doubt and confusion? We can ask questions. We ask for clarity, just like Thomas did. So I want you to think about your best friend. Take a moment and picture them. Maybe they're sitting next to you. That's pretty convenient, (laughs) but maybe they're at school or somewhere else. Think about how you act with them, right? You tell jokes, you give each other advice, you tell each other secrets, and you grow in your relationship with one another. Imagine I told you to spend a day with your best friend and you had to do whatever they told you to do. You could do it, right? It'd be maybe like a little cringy, but you could do it and it would be fun. Now imagine I told you to go across the room, find a stranger, tell them all your secrets, every mistake you've made, and then spend a day with them doing whatever they tell you to do. That probably doesn't sound like a lot of fun. That probably sounds awkward, right? (laughs) Like, um, I don't know them. I don't trust them. Why on earth would I do what they tell me to do? Now, at this point in Thomas's life, Jesus was his best friend, right? Thomas and Jesus, they were tight. And he's like, I've been following you. I know what you're about. And Jesus is like, I know you, Thomas. I see you. We're friends. But I want to ask you, who is Jesus to you? See, Jesus loves you, Jesus trusts you, and he wants you to know him. Jesus does not want to be a stranger to you. So how can you grow to trust Jesus and be close to him and know him? Thomas got to walk alongside him, right, and witness all these amazing things, but how do we deal with this? How do we deal with not knowing how to trust and doubting Jesus? By reading scripture. We get to know Jesus through his stories and what he says in the Bible. Imagine what it would be like to take an hour a day to get to know God in scripture, just reading about what is going on and how he's working. You would get to know not only what's happening, but his character and who he is and how you can learn to trust him. It's so much easier to trust someone that you know. Just like a friend, you can grow closer to him in your relationship and your pursuit of him by reading about him and spending time with him. So how do we deal with doubt 
by reading scripture, by remembering what Jesus says and what his plans are for us. And so tonight I want to read one more passage from John chapter 20. And this is the big one, guys. This is the famous one that Thomas is known for doubting Jesus. Now this takes place right after Jesus has risen from the grave. He appears to his disciples and he says, hey guys, it's me, Jesus, I'm back. But unfortunately, Thomas was not with the other disciples. So they rush back to tell Thomas the good news. And this is how that conversation goes. So John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas is like, cute story, um, but you better prove it, right? You need to bring him here so that I can put my hands where the nails were in his hands, you know, touch the wound in his side. Otherwise, I, I'm not here for it. And so let's read on a little more. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, right? Thomas is like, yes, you're here. I've seen and I believe. Thomas rejoices, but it does not end there, right? Jesus goes on to say this. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And now this is the moment that a lot of people know for Thomas's doubt, right? Because it sounds like Jesus is calling him out, right? Like, really? You had to see me. You had to literally put your hand in my wound to know that I'm here and I'm risen. But he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. And Jesus is talking here about his followers, right? He's talking about us. And so I don't think that he's actually scolding Thomas. He's saying like, it's amazing that you have come to believe in me because you have seen, but imagine my other followers who don't get to see but still choose to believe me. They are blessed. We are blessed because we get to choose to believe in Jesus, just like Thomas, even though we didn't get to see him rise from the grave. So how do we deal with doubt, right? By believing, by choosing to believe in Jesus. Now, Thomas's season of doubt was eight days long, right? Eight days between when the disciples told him Jesus had risen to when he actually believed and saw Jesus. Eight days, maybe a little over a week, doesn't sound like a super long time, but your season of doubt could be a month or it could be years, and that's really difficult. But hopefully Thomas, how he went through his seasons of doubt, can teach you how to deal with your doubt in your season. Now I'm gonna read one last section from John chapter 20, and this is what John writes about his book, John. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That last part is so powerful. By believing, 
you may have life in his name. We experience the fullness of our lives when we turn to believe in Jesus and experience life through his name and what he's done for us and promised us. So how do we deal with those seasons of doubt? By believing in Jesus and committing to following him. And I want to just share with you a little story about myself personally and my journey with doubt. So when I was in high school, I had a really hard time going to two different churches, and they were telling me different things about what I should be believing and how I should be a Christian. And sometimes it just was hard for me to understand what the truth was when I was hearing so many different perspectives. And so for me, I was nervous to ask questions. I didn't want to look silly, like I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't want people to think that I was a bad Christian just because I didn't know how to be one. And so for me, the easiest thing to do was to turn to the Bible and just figure it out for myself, right? To read about Jesus. And through that, I became close to him. I recognized my relationship with him. And that's when I committed my life to following him. So I hope that you know that that was a long journey for me and I'm still learning along the ways. And I'm standing here telling you about doubt, but I'm still looking for some of those answers myself and I'm growing in my relationship with Christ every single day. And so for you, if you're like me, if you're like Thomas and you ever have those seasons of doubt, I want you to remember to ask those questions, right? Jesus wants you to be curious and to grow in your wisdom. So ask those questions, read scripture, learn about his life, his promises, and remind yourself of what he has done and what he will do. And finally, believe, commit yourself to a life of following Jesus because that is how you'll have full life, through him, through following him. Ask questions, read scripture, and believe. And now I would love to close us in a word of prayer. You pray with me. Dear Lord, help us to be comforted by you in those seasons of doubt. Help us to know that you are present Give us the right questions to ask you so that we can grow closer to you. Lead us to you through your word and help us feel comfort in knowing that we can believe in you, trust you, and accept your love as we follow you. We are so thankful for the opportunity to grow closer to you tonight all together. And we pray that you are with us each and every day as we grow in our faith. It's in your name that we pray, amen.